we became profitable around 2018. And, um, you know, the company has no funding, you know, we're, we're self, self-financed and, and we're profitable. And we, we put about uh, probably in the two to three million dollars into the company over, over that period of time. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster. Minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Ted Morocco. He is a co-founder and CEO of Silent, a cybersecurity firm that provides SaaS-based anti-piracy license compliance and software monetization technology for the world's leading software companies. Before that, he was co-founder of the EDA company AWR Corporation, which was acquired by National Instruments in 2011. AWR, a leading high-frequency analog design company, has played an important role in the design of semiconductors used in applications. All right, Ted, you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. Yeah, let's get started, Nathan. All right. For folks that haven't heard of Silent, maybe they're not in the security space. What do you guys do? Uh, basically, what we do is we, we, uh, we started out addressing piracy. So software piracy, as I think everybody knows, is a big deal. Um, we're on a, in a specific area of anti-piracy where we're, we're not really concerned about music or consumer piracy, but um, Companies that are that are using inappropriately software licenses for expensive uh, applications, so design tools. So my background a lot was from semiconductors, and semi the semiconductor industry was one of the industries that um, I had a front row seat to a great deal of piracy. You know, with my previous company, and we started this company, me and my co-founder Chris Loughton, uh, we worked together on the piracy problems while I was at AWR. And when we sold the company, uh, became really excited about you know taking everything that we had learned over the years of working together and starting another company, a commercial uh, venture to really help um, primarily on-premise software vendors deal with piracy. And since we've done that, the company has evolved. We're now working on usage analytics, and we're we've expanded our perspective, and we've rebranded as Silent, you know, today as part of uh, a broader vision to give on-premise companies, uh, on-premise software vendors, the same kind of visibility that SaaS companies have, where you can see who's using the technology, are they properly licensed, are they using all of the features and the functionality and the tools, and how can you use that um, data to really generate more revenue? 
So, so I'm not sure I'm following it. Can you, can you tell me, well, first off, what year did you guys launch the company? Uh, we launched it in 2014. Okay, 2014. And sorry, when did when was AWR acquired? AWR was acquired in 2011, and I stayed for three years during. Uh, I was down there with you and you know, frequently in Austin uh, with with National Instruments during the transition. And after we had uh, transitioned the company, um, I left in 2014 and be, became a co-founder with Chris at uh, uh, what we were then called SmartFlow Compliance Solutions. Okay. And what, um, what was the sale price back in 2013? For AWR? Yeah. Um, it wasn't disclosed. I, I, I guess the public information, there was an earnout. It was a little complicated, but I think the, the publicly disclosed number was 57. And then there was like an earnout that was quite a bit more that brought the number up, you know. I see. I see. And then it looks that. like it was just, it was just resold recently for like 160 million by, to Cadence, right? Sure. Correct. Yeah. So Cadence Design Systems bought it from from uh, National Instruments. Yeah, for around 160. Correct. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Cool. So you then use that capital to seed Silent in 2014 with your partner. Is that accurate? Correct. Yeah. We, uh, Chris and I. Chris is also a successful entrepreneur. He has another company called ITCA with very strong cash flow. I had you know kind of income or from the sale of AWR. So we bootstrapped the company for the first couple of years. We became profitable around 2018, and um, you know the company has no funding. You know we're we're self self financed and and we're profitable and uh, we, love, we love that. How much yeah. did you guys pump into the company yourselves personally before you turned profitable in 2018? Do you remember? Not yeah, of course I remember. <laughs> I had to write those checks. Um, we we put about uh, probably in the two to three million dollars into the company over over that period of time. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, we were we were pretty close to break even early on and, and we didn't invest that far ahead of the curve. But, um, you know, we we were we were always we were we were we were well run, you know, and, and pretty fiscally conservative through the early years. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't regret that at all. You know, we could have raised money at the time, but, you know, the dilution and the strings that can come with the early funding it can be very dilutive to founders. So I would advise against that if you have the financial wherewithal to not have to do that. And help me understand today, when companies are paying you for your technology, what are they paying you per month on average? Um, around around $1,000 per user per month for a- How many users do most logos have? What's that? How many users do most companies, yeah. Uh, probably around, uh, a, 10, I would say on average. And we have about, you know, we, we, we have a couple with, with close to a hundred users. So they kind of tip the scales a little bit, but I, I would say we have about 1500 users. That's great. Across how many companies or brands? Uh, around a um, hundred, less than a hundred. Yeah. hundred range. So take me back to your first customer you sold and, and, and what was the pitch then? What did you sell them? Okay, so um, part of what really made this company possible was the completion of a um, a legal case that I was involved in against a Chinese telecom company that was stealing the AWR technology, and we won a very significant summary judgment against this company, and it became uh, very um, um, newsworthy. 
So uh, some of the other companies in the, in the electronic design automation industry and the semiconductor industry noticed this. And when, when I left the company, I brought a lot of credibility because I kind of was involved in proving that you can protect the, number one, that this kind of technology is being widely stolen and that there are technical means of protecting it. And there are processes that you can put in place to protect your intellectual property. So that allowed us to go talk to some of the large, large players, you know, publicly traded companies, uh, billion dollar plus companies about what they could do about this. And uh, we were able to get some pretty marquee uh, clients from the very start of the company. All because of the press surrounding you successfully defending AWR technology being stolen by the Chinese. I think it was a credibility. I mean, I, th I think that a lot of a lot of people uh, had this philosophy that there are people who will buy and there are people that will steal and never the twain shall meet. And that there really was no way to kind of fill that gap between people who are stealing uh, intellectual property and people who want to buy it. And there is a, a huge amount of gray area between those two things. There's licensing of sex software is very complicated. So there's inadvertent overuse. There's blatant piracy and there's everything in between. And the way that you you uh, take advantage or the way you monetize this opportunity is you need good data. And, and that's really mm -hmm. what, what Silent is all about is telemetry data to figure out how intellectual property is being used, how, how it's um, maybe being abused or overused and overdeployed and figuring out a way to amicably bring these clients in and, and, and get them to true up their licensing and to pay for what they're using. And that was the other thing I think that was very deceptive is that a lot of clients kind of think that this is a, a, a hostile discussion or leads to litigation. And that's the exception. That's not the rule. In, in most cases, you know, software companies want to use, they want to pay for the intellectual property that's running their business and they want to be legally licensed. So we show, we show um, customers how you can do that, how you can actually have pleasant, meaningful, significant conversations that lead to bigger contracts. So Ted, let me try and repeat this back to you so I and my audience clearly understand what you're selling. I am a founder or a, a company at scale or a billion dollar Fortune 500 company yeah. that sells some sort of physical on-prem device to companies. Let's say I sell it to company Y. Yeah. Company Y, I install the on-prem software. They pay a license fee, a servicing fee, whatever. And they say, we're going to start with 10 seats. So they're paying me a license fee for 10 seats, but they don't even realize it. But my technology takes off with their company. And before you know it, 60 seats are using the same on-prem software, but they don't even know they should be paying me for the 50 extra licenses. Your technology will ping me and say, hey, you should be billing them for 50 extra licenses because exactly. we see there's more people using it. Yes. Yeah. There are all kinds of ways that things get overdeployed. And, you know, for example, let's, but that's let's, the use case. Is that the main use that, case that, that I just is, described? That, that is the use case. And, okay. and, and the, you know, there's a tremendous, you know, this is why SaaS is so successful is because with SaaS, you know what people are using and you know how much they should be paying with on-prem. It's still the, the wild west of chaos where you might have channel partners who are selling um, there's evaluation licenses that get overdeployed and then cracked with key generators. There's a million different ways that the that the horses get out of the barn and 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 all of this replication and overinstallations that take place that are outside of the EULA. Um, and companies just don't know how to track it, how to measure it, and how to monetize it. And and that's where we excel. You know, we know how to identify who's using it. 
how to look at the licenses to tell a counterfeit license from a legal license from an overdeployed legal license or an educational understand being mis- mis- misused. You know, educational yep, licenses sense. are, are, are overdeployed all over the place. In fact, one of our clients, you know, um, they were they have a very generous university policy, and it turned out that the key generator for the university was publicly available on the website. Anybody could go get a five thousand dollar license uh, by just putting in their disk serial number and generate a license. So they had you know tens of thousands of university licenses all over the world being used commercially. A lot of you guys will ping me out of the blue at asking for help selling your software companies, but I'm not a broker and I'm really focused on founder path right now, not helping folks sell their company. So I'm always looking for great tools to recommend for you guys to quickly figure out what you could potentially sell your company for and how much cash you could get. That's where Flippa comes in. Now, here's my thing about brokerages, especially for selling your company. You guys should not have to pay a 10% brokerage fee when you put your blood, sweat, and tears into building your company for years that have a sale. All smart founders know, though, that the best way to maximize price is to have multiple options. So how do you get multiple options, multiple bids on your company without paying a broker 10% or more? Well, I recommend Flippa because they have the largest list of buyers for these sorts of digital assets, which almost always guarantees a bidding war. I tell my founder friends all the time to try Flippa's valuation calculator to see what their company is worth. And I encourage you guys to do it today. Go to nathanlacka.com forward slash Flippa right now to test out the valuation calculator for free. That's nathanlacka.com forward slash F-L-I-P-P-A. Now let's go back to the backstory. Get your first customers from sort of the press and the credibility defending yourself uh, via AWR. You, you now obviously launched this tool. You've bootstrapped it so far. Let's keep following sort of the customer journey. So when did you pass, uh, would you say maybe your first 10 customers? Was that also in the first year? Um, first, no, that was in the second year. That was in the second okay, year. So 2015. And do you remember that first, what first full year revenue was? Um, yeah, it was about a million dollars. Yeah. Okay. So that's pretty impressive. Zero to a million in 12 months. Yes. Yeah. So these were big contracts you were selling even early on. Correct. And, and that's, you know, that kind of leads us to one of the, I mean, one of the challenges I'm sure you're going to get to as we go through the interview is customer acquisition costs. Now, the, the Achilles heel of our company has always been customer acquisition costs because it takes a tremendous amount of effort to get a customer on board because you have data privacy concerns, you have data security concerns. You know, how do you convince a, a multi-billion dollar company to share valuable information about their users and licensing and all of that stuff with a startup company? So getting over that hurdle was was tough in the beginning, and it was as much work to bring on a billion dollar client as it was to bring on a $10 million prospect. So Ted, let's so, talk about CAC. You said average customers say are paying about $10,000 a month. It's again, one logo, but they have 10 seats and that's what they're paying per month, which means they're $120,000 sort of average contract values. What do you say, think you spend on, on full sort of CAC to get a new $120,000 a year account? Um, we spend probably about $100,000 to get into that account. Yeah, yeah. and so, how long will it stay? It, it, it's expensive now. Now the good news is this is extremely sticky technology. So can you quantify you know, that? What's your churn annually? Our, our, our churn is about two and a half percent. Wow. In fact, we don't, we don't even like to use the word churn. We we use customer retention more internally, and it's yeah, you know, it, it's pretty close to a hundred percent. We we've had we've just had a, a, a handful 
of unsuccessful deployments for various reasons. Customers weren't adopting their new versions. In fact, we actually have a solution to that now. We've come up with some new technology to help. Well, Timothy, are you saying are you saying your net revenue retention is 100 percent? Uh, our uh, yeah, our, our uh, no, our gross, our, our gross retention is is close to 100 percent. Our 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 increase, our our net is more like 125 percent. Got it. So you have about three per, or 2.5 percent. Uh, gross churn annually, you expand by about 25 to 30%, which means your net is about 125% net revenue retention annually. Correct. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Got it. That makes sense. Now, when you drive that expansion revenue, do you have quota carrying sales reps? And if so, how many? Do we have what? Quota carrying sales reps? Yes, we do. How many? And we just, we just, we, we have less than a handful. We, we've put, what we, one of the things that we've done is we've really been investing in R&D. So, so, you know, most of the customer acquisition has really been me and my co-founder have had relationships in this industry that have allowed us to kind of get to the C-level suite, which is which is uh, critical. Besides you, guys, though, kind of scale how, our how many of those reps do you have today, though? Besides you two selling, how many reps? Three. Okay. Three. And yeah. how many engineers? You said you're investing in R and D. Um, our total company size is about forty, and uh, you know the, the sales and marketing organization is about seven. So. How many engineers? They're all engineers? They're, they're, uh, some of them are uh, application engineers and some of them are software developers. So that's the, the bulk of the rest of the company. Correct. Yeah. And both of that work was done in Ireland in our R&D facility in Dublin. Okay. Uh, why choose Dublin? You know, um, Dublin ended up and has a tremendous uh, talent pool and the, the ability to retain talent there is 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 excellent. So um, we've been able to we've just been able to staff better, more economically in in Ireland, and it works out really well uh, between the U.S. and Ireland as far as um, you know language and everything else. My my partner is is Dutch, and I don't speak Dutch, so incorporating in the Netherlands was sort of out of the question. <laughs> And uh, yeah, we ended up choosing choosing Ireland just because of the the, the diversity of the uh, talent pool and the high uh, the, the access to to good technical resources there. Understood. And sticking to your team here, we talked about three quota carrying sales reps. So These are some of the hardest first hires for a company scaling, right? Is when you hire your first you know quota carrying rep, what quota do you give them? What quota did you give your first couple of reps? Um, generally, what we're looking at is about a million dollars a year. Why? Um, because the, the, that's, that's kind of the, the number that, uh, <laughs> that's just the target that we've, 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 uh, we've come up with. We've, we have experience. We have, uh, uh, we've seen it over, over the years that it takes people a lot of time to learn how to sell this product. Uh, so there's about six months worth of learning before they kind of hit the ground running. And, um, you know, so we, we want to try to set, set up, set them up for success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes good sense. And so if they obviously earn their base, but they also hit their quota, so they full on target earnings, well, how much can they make if they hit hit their quota total? Our, our models, you know, 50-50 model consistent with the SaaS industry. You know, in, in the US, it's it's usually a 150-150 kind of model. So what, what base then are you paying typically? It might, it might differ between, but just at a high level, what are you paying base on average? 150. Oh, so if they hit quota, then they can earn, earn up to 300. Correct. Oh, I see. Got it. So your ratio of sort of quota relative to if they've hit full on target earnings is about a three X. Correct. 
That's so that's actually low. I mean, most of the SaaS companies are scaling with healthy margins, and effectively, it's much closer to like a five or six x. Do you have plans to increase quota? Um, I'd I'd like to, but you know the the uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's kind of the model that we're at right now. Mm -hmm. Are you actively hiring new sales reps? Like, are the ones you currently have hitting quota? Well, we're we're in the process of planning for next year as to what we're gonna, what we're going to do from an expansion. So, COVID has been a impact on everybody's business and the ability to get out and travel and visit customers has been reduced. So mm -hmm. we're, um, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do right now, since we've, we've been very successful at onboarding some significant large clients is we're looking at making the, we're actually looking at investing more in customer success right now than, than, than sales, because it's just really you know, keeping that churn, you know, where it's at, and making sure that that we onboard people successful successfully has been really critical. And our sales growth is actually driven a lot by customer referrals. Mm -hmm. because and so with those with those referrals coming in, with the power of the tech, with your sales team, what run rate do you think you'll hit this year? Um, this year, target is around ten. And are you? Where are you at right now? Are you on track to hit that? Yes. Nice. Yeah. And what was revenue? What did you finish twenty nineteen with? Around six. Okay, I mean, so super healthy growth, and you're bootstrapped, right? Yeah, that's great. Take me back one more year. What did you finish 2018 with? Um, 2018, probably around four and a, four and a half or something like that. Okay, and then interesting. So you, so it took you from 2014, where no, you were a million. That. We were, yeah, yeah. You know, we, we've had about we, we've been pretty consistent in having about a 50 to 70 percent year over year growth. So it's it, it doesn't vary that much um, from year to year. The point I was going to make is if you launched in 2014 and broke a million dollar run rate that year, it took you about another two, three years to 2018 to add another 3.5 million in revenue and break that $4.5 million mark. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, um, where, how do you think you get up to like 40, 50? 2014 was a full year. So, so we, you know, we, we started like mid year. So that's where the break, break is off a little bit. So you're really looking at 2015 to being our first full year. Yeah. But you said you did over a million dollars in sales in 2014, correct? No, we started the company in 2014, late 2014. So the first 12 months was closer to the end of 2015. Oh, I see. So 2015, you broke a million in run rate. Yeah. I see. Got it. Okay, very cool. And then, so where do you think you'll get, you know, to scale up to 15, 20, 50, $50 million in ARR? Is it going to be expanding these 100 customer accounts or is it going to be going and landing new accounts altogether? It's going to be a combination of those things. We, we have a, a tremendous opportunity to grow within the existing accounts, which is one of the reasons why we invest so much in, in the customer success uh, functionality of, of the company is that with, with the success with these large uh, accounts, there are more uh, products that we can be deployed into and there are more users that we can grow within those accounts. So mm -hmm. we might have an account with, with 10 users today. Next year, they could have 25 users if, we're, if we successfully execute. And then there's also the addition of new logos. Yeah. Um, but you know, with, with new logos, it usually takes about three years to, to take the company from an initial deployment to being very successful. It's a, yeah. it's a long, you know, because you have to start gathering data. There's the telemetry data that comes in and, and it just takes a little bit of time to ramp up a customer because it's all a data-driven model. Understood. Ted, on that note, let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book. Well, it's not really a business book, but Five Lessons by Ben Hogan. is Number is, two. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Um, I follow a guy named Rich Roll, 
he's not really a CEO, but more of a lifestyle, you know, athlete, uh, inspirational kind of a, he actually does a podcast, your podcast and his are the two ones that I kind of go to. The most. Oh, nice. Appreciate that, man. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building silent? Um, well, just recently we've adopted uh, Slack and, okay. you know, we've been drowning in email for the last couple of years. And, and I think Slack is going to be one of those tools that's going to help us from a collaborative perspective, reduce the email clutter and uh, kind of allow us to scale a little bit better. So we're enjoying that. Number four, how many hours of sleep are you getting every night? Seven and a half. That's great. In situation, married, single kids? Um, happily married, 55, single, or 55 married, no kids. No kiddos. Last question. What's something you wish you knew when you were 20? I think that it, it comes back to um, lifestyle. You know, I think when I was 20, I, I felt like I could burn the candle at both ends and, and, and kind of get through that way. But as, you know, as years have gone by, really focusing on, on, on all aspects of, of, of health, work-life balance, nutrition, sleep, meditation, those factors really pay off big dividends when, when, when you get to 55. So that's, that's my kind of, kind of advice for, for somebody in their 20s is to you know, take care of the machine, take care of your body, take care of your mind, take care of your health, because it, it's, a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Security software silent on track to break 10 million bucks in ARR this year, up from 6 million last year, serving over a hundred customers and call it a thousand seats. They are bootstrapped operating right at break even or just on the side of profitability. 40 folks on the team, 33 engineers, three quota carrying sales reps with million dollar quotas, net revenue retention, 125% and payback periods on landing new accounts at somewhere between 11 and 12 months. All right. Thank you so much, Jeff, for taking us to the top. Thank you, Nathan.